trying to tell me something here, but let's not be little old Newcastle, because the actual, um, let's be big Newcastle, and the theme of the conference was a new beginning, and there really did feel like a new start. It really felt like a new spirit, a new anointing, and let me just speak that title over you today, a new beginning, a new start. There was a fresh impetus there, in, in a fresh motivation, a fresh uh, life and spring in people's step. And we really picked up on that. We felt, yeah, that, that, that's true for us too. And here's the, here's the other good news, just so that you, you feel really in touch with things. Um, this year's theme are Rima word verses, 2 Peter 1.21. Men moved by the Holy Spirit or people moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And Pastor Caesar actually preached part of that verse as part of one of his sessions. And there is this sense there of being moved by the Holy Spirit this year and a freshness in the Holy Spirit and a new life in the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of encouragement to, to, to step into the, the gifts of the Spirit and a lot of time of speaking in tongues and singing in tongues in the meeting, a lot of encouragement in that way as well. And I really felt we were hearing something. I really felt we were tuning into the same sense and the, the heartbeat of God and the Word of God. And just what we felt God was saying to us here was what... God was releasing in Colombia, and I just felt so encouraged that we're, we're hearing things and we're on the same lines uh, and so on. Let's just recap on our year how it's gone so far. In January, we looked at this sense of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, and we said, if you want to get into the life of the Spirit, you have to get into the Word, because the Spirit and the Word go together. And we said we value our, of the utmost importance the Bible. The Word of God, we value it because it's God speaking to us now and today, and it's real. It has real answers and real insight and real relevance to our lives today. And we're talking about reading the Bible, not just in a dry or a complicated way, but in a living and active uh, way. And the way to read the Bible like that is with the Holy Spirit's presence, so that as we're reading it, he is showing us uh, how to read it and how to interpret it and breathing life into us and life into the page so we can understand it and it can really impact our hearts. And the result of all that preaching in the month is saying we want to read the Bible. You know, uh, Sally's quoted before, there's a study done in the States about all the different church programs that help people and the conclusion after thousands of dollars was spent and I think over a year to conduct this study was that people who read their Bible are closer to God. I mean, that, that's it. If you want to grow in the Christian life, read your Bible. That's the number one most effective thing uh, anyone can do in their walk with God. Um, so we want to encourage you to have a regular program of reading the Bible. And we encourage you to look at apps and printed things out. If you've got a good one that works you already, great. If you want to change one because you need a bit of a change, do it. But there are plenty of schemes out there. As long as you read it, doesn't matter where you read it, as long as you're reading it with a heart and with the Holy Spirit and faith, God will come to you and meet you and do great things in you. In February, uh, which is the month we're in now, the theme to look at is the Holy Spirit and prayer. And we value, we hold of the utmost importance prayer in all its forms, just like we read about prayer in the Bible. And we need to pray at all times, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayer. Now let's think about prayer for a moment and take a lesson from the Africans. And here's a little uh, thing I came across uh, about Africans and prayer. When the gospel first came to Africa, uh, people there got saved with passion and with fire. And here's what they say. Early African converts to Christianity were earnest and regular in their private devotions. 
Each one reportedly had a private spot somewhere in the countryside or out in the bush where they could go and pour out their heart to God and be on their own. And over time, because these places were in the country, as people walked to these secret little hideaways they had, the path would be worn away in, in, in in the undergrowth or in the grass. So you could see where people were going because each person wore their own path to the place they were praying in. And the more they went to pray, the more grass got worn away and the more dust and hard mud was just left there as they walked this little place. Now, the problem is there were a lot of people so everyone could see all these little paths as they went out for their quiet time in the morning. Of course, if somebody stopped praying, the grass would start to grow back on their path. And it was obvious to everybody else walking to their little place of prayer. So apparently in some parts of Africa, they used to say to each other, if, if, if you weren't going to pray, they would remind you to get back in there with God by saying this, brother, the grass grows on your path. So a bit southern that, brother, the grass grows on your path. But however you want to say it, it's a beautiful picture, isn't it, of the need to get to prayer and how people in, in, in that particular continent, not sure which country in Africa that was, but uh, anyway, that's just a beautiful testimony of the, the need to pray. And so we want to pray not just in a dry or a complicated way, but a, a prayer life that's living and active, that's alive. And to do that, just like our Bible reading, we need the presence of the Holy Spirit in our prayer times. And the result is then that we pray. We uh, set out for you in a calendar we gave out at the beginning of the year. I hope you got it and didn't miss it. If, if you missed it, we can get you one. A corporate life prayer pattern for the year with nights of prayer at the end of the month and three days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the month and flexibility in how we do that month by month. But we were away in Bogota and what did we do? We did our three days of prayer and fasting. And all those lovely steaks they eat over there were all passed under our nose and we refused every one of them, I want you to know, during that three days of prayer and fasting. But you know, it was good too. It slows your life down. It focuses us on God. And we felt we're connecting with us here. And when we heard the call for prayer and the call to um, connect with the Holy Spirit in a fresh way in, in the ministry there, we felt we're glad we're doing what we're doing because this is the right thing to do. This is the right time and this is the right spirit. This is the right message, the right theme and the right heart for us. So we want to pray this year. We want to pray uh, regularly and faithfully. We don't want the grass to grow on our path. We want to be uh, regular in our Bible reading and faithful with that and regular in our prayer and faithful with that because out of those two things, we get into the presence of God. And the more we do it, the more the flow of the Holy Spirit comes on our lives. So today I want to develop that theme of prayer a little bit more and want to read a couple of verses. Now, I hope it's not too short notice for Dave, but if you can find Romans chapter 8, verses 26 to 27, Dave, you might be able to put them on the screen in some version or other. I'm using the New American Standard here. So this is Romans 8, 26 to 27. And my title for today, if you like taking notes and want a title, is Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Romans 8, 26 to 27. In the same way... The Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
Let me read that to you again in the message, just to give you an alternative version. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs and aching groans. He knows far better than we know ourselves, uh, knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. Now, before we get into the actual depth of what we want to talk about here with praying, I just want to ask ourselves a simple question. Is this my experience? Do I have an experience where the Holy Spirit comes and helps me pray in such a way that it's, it's more than me that's at work in prayer? Do I actually do this kind of praying? Now, I'm not talking about what we think about in our minds. Do I agree with this or do I give mental assent to it? To this, Do I actually do this thing? Because here's the great challenge with prayer, and it's the great challenge with a number of things in the Christian life. It's what one guy called the abyss. He wrote a book on how to lose weight, get fit, look strong and healthy, six-pack, whatever it is you want to have in your particular gender or stage in life. Um, and he went around the world, and people come up to him and shake his hand and say, I really love the book, and I read it. And he got worried about this because he said, the trouble was the people were shaking my hand saying they really loved the book. It wasn't having an effect on their lives. They were just the same as they were before. They were, they were not in the best physical condition. They were obviously not exercising and losing weight as per my book and all the things. They said they loved the book, but it wasn't actually making any difference to them. And he called it the abyss. And it's like a, a big hole you get to in the road, like a gigantic pothole, and you can't go any further. How do you get from this side to the other side where you're actually experiencing it. And most people sort of drive up to the edge of this big hole in the road and think, well, that's, that's nice. I can see the other side of the road. And yes, it's a nice road. But he said, I want you to drive on that road. But if there's this big gaping hole in the way, how are you going to cross it? And he called this thing crossing the abyss. And he offered uh, like a massive prize for the first few people that could actually do what his book said. I mean, it's tens of thousands of pounds he offered just so that people could actually experience the book. He wanted to inspire people or give them some kind of incentive to go away and do what's in the book. And that can, that's how it can be in the Christian life. We can look at the other side of the road and think, oh, yeah, it'd be great to drive over there. I know there's a big hole between us. In a minute, I'm going to th- do a three-point turn and go back home to where I was. And I'll drive up here tomorrow and look over the other side and say, isn't it a nice road over there? But the secret is just to cross that big gap and actually be living on the other side where God wants us to be. And prayer is one of those things. Uh, Somebody once said this. They said, what the church needs today is not more equipment or machinery or newer or better gadgets. Uh, We don't need new organizations or more um, uh, novel methods, but men and women whom the Holy Spirit can use. Men and women of prayer. Men and women mighty in prayer. Reinhard Bonnke was talking uh, in the meeting on last Saturday morning. An impressive man. I mean, genuinely impressive. A tremendous heart. Draws a certain amount of criticism. And I couldn't for the life of me understand why. Uh, very uncomplicated, gracious man of God, and tremendously empowered by the Spirit of God. And he, and he just said, you know, what, what the church needs today is not more cake and coffee, but more of the Holy Spirit. 
And he said, the, the less of the Holy Spirit we have, the more we rely on cake and coffee. And he said, he said, I like, he said I'm a German, I like cake and I like coffee. Um, but what we need in the church is more of the Holy Spirit. And just a simple perspective, but nonetheless very telling. Now, if your honest answer to my question is, is this my experience? And if, if your honest answer is, well, no, or maybe not as much as I need to be, or only partway there, don't worry, it's all right. We're not after you this morning. Hopefully by the end of this message, you can at least feel you've moved along on the scale and say, there's more yes in my life to that. I can see myself getting across that abyss, that hole in the road, better than I can uh, ever have seen myself before. So I want to look at three key phrases in the passage I read out just now and just see what they can say to us about praying in the Holy Spirit. The first one is this. For we do not know how to pray as we should. Can we have that back on the screen, please, Dave? Is that okay? It's, um, it's up on, in front of me, but could it come on the sides here? It's on its way. There we are. We do not know to, how to, to pray as we should. Now, think about Paul making that statement for a moment. This is leading apostle Paul, paving the way in ministry, and he set up all these churches. The early churches being established, there's the passion of God around, there's the miracles of God around, there are the apostles of God around. It's all incredibly new and in the face of an oppressive Roman Empire, incredibly exciting. And you'd think these people would know how to pray. Yet Paul says to them, himself included, we don't know how to pray as, as we should. Now, if anybody ought to know how to pray, it should have been the early church. And it should have certainly been the Apostle Paul. And yet he can say, actually, in myself, I don't know how to pray as I should. And neither do any of the rest of us. Can anybody sort of feel a sense of sympathy or empathy there with Paul? Yet this isn't as easy as it sounds. I remember our first our pastor in Oxford, Jeff, saying, he said he was sitting in his study to pray. And as he'd sit down, to, one eye would be open. He'd just see the picture was crooked on the wall. So he just gets up out the spread, and then he, then, he, then he puts the picture straight. Now I'm going to pray. And then he just notices the plant looks a bit dry. So, and he looks in the soil. It's all dry in the bottom. So I'll just go and get some water and do that. And then he's going to sit down to pray. And then something else catches his attention. So do you ever find that with prayer? At the very moment you want to pray, it's so easy to find something that obviously needs tending to, like the plant or the picture, just to take you away from it at that moment. And the, this is the challenge that we all face. And Paul says this, that prayer can be like this, that even though we know we should pray, it's actually hard to pray as in the way that we ought to. And then it comes to the point where when we actually do get to praying, do we know what to pray? Do you ever feel prayed out over some situation? What else do I pray about this? I mean, how much more do I pray? And somebody presents you with a situation. Maybe it's a really difficult one. They, they say, you know, my uncle is dying and, and, you know, he's got three hours to live. Can you pray for him? Help, what do I pray for somebody that's, that's probably going to die today? I want to pray. I want to be, um, you know, good-hearted and supportive. But what do I actually really pray in that? Or somebody, you know, you work with, well, you believe in prayer, don't you? And they, they hand you some incredibly complicated situation, which is like a plate of spaghetti, and say, now pray about that and get my life back on, on track and in order. How do we pray? When we come to cell meetings or to 
prayer meetings here in the church. How do we pray for our nation? How do we pray for our city? How do we pray for our neighbours? Mary, you're going to have to do the session on that because it's obviously working for you. Thank you for that tremendous testimony earlier on. It was just brilliant. How do we pray for our leaders? How do we pray for our own family? How do we pray for someone who's lost to God and we want to see them drawn into Christ? What do we pray for them? Well, Paul includes himself in saying we've all got this inbuilt weakness. But let me encourage you this. If you can get to the place of prayer, as we heard earlier, it really changes things. Here's what one pastor says or one writer says. Men can spurn our appeals. They can reject our message. They can oppose our arguments. They can despise who we are, but they're helpless against our prayers. Think about that. People are helpless against your prayers. Did you know that? They have no defence. They may not like you. They may not like what you're saying. They may not like the message of the gospel. They may not like what your life stands for. But when you pray for them, they are powerless to stop the prayer getting through. How about that? I hope that gives you some encouragement. You know, the prime minister of our country is up for re-election in three months. And he may have done all kinds of things in his last term of office, which I think are anti-church and anti-God. And I think he's got a bad record as far as I'm concerned. And I don't see much else on offer either in terms of what's coming to the voters. But do you know what? All of them are helpless against our prayers. Whatever laws they pass that are unfavorable to us and unfriendly towards God, they are helpless against our prayers. And so is your neighbor. And so is the person at work that's giving you trouble. And so is that guy that you want to win. And the question is, how do we pray in such a way that we can get through? Well, praise God, the answer is this. God knows that we're weak in this area. He knows that every human being has an inbuilt weakness, and he's going to provide an answer to that. So if you feel like that, you're in good company today. Take a look around the room. Everybody else feels the same as the Apostle Paul. We don't know how we ought to pray. And if you think you do know how you ought to pray, try a full night of prayer in here. Gets a bit cold at three in the morning. Um, Because by about that time, you've probably run out of everything you can think of to pray. And you've got three or four more hours to go. And then what do we pray now? It's an interesting challenge. Now, the second phrase I want to come to is this. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. So this is a weakness in us. But there is someone to help you in your weakness. Have you ever been helped before when you really were desperate? Maybe you've broken down in your car somewhere. And just at the right time, somebody's come along and towed you out of the trouble you're in. Or I remember once getting a ladder stuck on the roof. It was, it, it was, I was doing some work on the roof with a ladder and it got jammed up there and I could not get it down. And the worst of it was, it, there were two ladders, one leaning up against the house and the other going up the roof to get onto the, to, to the top where I was doing some work on the chimney. And it was the dead of night by now. It was very dark. And I couldn't really wrench this ladder because it was right next to British Telecom's wire leading to our house. So I was worried that if I pulled this thing too much, I would pull the telephone wire out and have to face a big bill, either for my roof where I gouged a hole in it or for the telephone cable or both. So I get down the ladder and I pray and I go, God, I don't know what to do. 
And at that moment, a man comes walking on the street out of the darkness and the gloom, comes up to me, and he says, you having trouble? I said, yes, I am. He said, what's the problem? I said, well, I've got my ladder stuck there. He said, move out the way. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a roofer by trade, or scaffolder. Scaffolder is what he was. And he went up the ladder. With one hand, he just picked this ladder up and brought it down in one arm. I thought, yes, hallelujah. God sent the right person at the right time in answer to my prayer. And when we're weak and helpless and can't do something, it's amazing what happens when the right person who can do something turns up. And when we get down to pray, there is somebody like that walking down the road towards us who knows all about this stuff. He's called the Holy Spirit. And what we can't do, he will inside of us, and he will help us right at the moment we need us. We need it. Now, the key phrase here is in the same way. In the same way what? In the same way as what? Well, this is referring to the passage that was before. I'm going to read you in two versions what went on before to get us into understanding how and why the Holy Spirit helps us. So reading from Romans 8, verse 18 goes like this. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. For in hope we've been saved, but hope that he's seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. And then it goes on to the verse we have up there. Uh, In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Now let me read that in a modern version so you can get the idea of what's being said here because Paul packs a lot into this this is the message that's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times the created world itself can hardly wait for what's coming next everything in creation is being more or less held back God reigns it in until both creation and all the creatures are ready and can be released at the same moment into the glorious times ahead meanwhile the joyful anticipation deepens. All around us, we observe a pregnant creation. The difficult times of pain throughout the world are simply birth pangs. But it's not only around us, it's within us. The Spirit of God is arousing us within. We're also feeling the birth pangs. These sterile and barren bodies of ours are yearning for full deliverance. Is your sterile and barren body yearning for full deliverance? It sounds like an advert, doesn't it? This is why waiting does not diminish us any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us. But the longer we wait, the larger we become and the more joyful our expectancy. That's why I don't think there's any comparison between the present hard times and the coming good times. Oh, sorry, I'm reading the wrong bit there. Paul goes on to say then, uh, that's in the same way the Spirit also intercedes for us. Right, here's what's going on. I need some help here, and only a few of you can help me. Jill, come and help me. Sarah, come and help me, please. Anybody else feel they can join these ladies here? Notice how slowly they're walking. 
Dan Lezinski, well, it would be Dan, wouldn't it? Yes, well, he's sort of standing in for Mel. Now, my goodness me, there are two big bumps here, aren't there? Take a look at these two beautiful, delightful young ladies and their bumps. Right? They are waiting for something. You are waiting, aren't you? How much longer have you got to wait, Sarah? About six weeks. Jill? About seven weeks. Around about the same time. Now, today, these two young ladies are going to help us understand what the scripture is saying to us. Because when it says in the same way in Romans 8 here, it's talking about the world and creation being pregnant with something and waiting for something to happen. And you know, you know, if you're pregnant, it's going to happen, isn't it? Six or seven weeks, it is, there is no escaping this, is there? This is going to happen. Now, you may feel like you're waiting now, but one day something's going to happen and, and your husband's going to get a call at work maybe, sort of, come now, it's all happening. And they have to drop everything and, and, and drive you off to the hospital or whatever arrangements you've got in place for that. It's going to happen. Now, this is how our world is. Do, do you mind just standing? Do you, want to, you can sit down at the bottom. I don't want you to go away quite yet. Just take, take a little rest there because we don't want you to be on your feet for too long. I've got to look after you extra good now. hope you're pampering Gillian there, John. Now, what is the world pregnant with? What is this pregnancy conceiving inside? Sarah, what are you having, a little boy or a little girl? Do you know? You don't know. Oh, wow. That's, 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 I admire that. That's, that's good. It's like not, that's like not opening your Christmas presents before Christmas comes. Jill, do you know, you're, you, know, you know what you're having, don't you? You're having a little girl. Now, what is the pregnancy that Paul's talking about here in Romans 8? It's this, hope, hope. Our creation, our society, our world, the people around us, the th- things in this world are not as they should be. I think we can all say amen to that. There is too much of all the bad and painful and wrong things in this world. And the one thing our world needs is hope. Hope that it can and will get better. So both of your children represent hope this morning. Hope Kamara. Hope Miller. That may not be the name you've chosen, but I'm just... Uh, I'm just uh... Now, our world needs hope that, it, that things can change, that broken families don't have to be broken, and those that are broken can be put back together, that poverty and sickness and all the other things that really are desperate in our world, in spite of the progress we, we, we are making in other ways, we need hope for the future. And that hope centres on us as the church in our prayers and in our own lives, that we lead the way in that. And the Bible says the whole of creation is waiting for us to lead the way in that. You are the sons and daughters of God. And in a sense, you're the first to be born into that hope. And when you and I live the right way and say the right things and stand for the right things and stand up against the wrong things, we are bringing that hope to the world, even if it's not always appreciated as that. 
Now, here's a question for you two young ladies. How do you know when the time is near? We won't get too biological or medical here because we've got a nurse here. And we, but before you actually have real labour pains, there are some <laughs> other pains, aren't there? Do you, are, you, are you feeling those at the moment? Is it too early for that? How, when do Braxton Hicks start? Sorry? Sorry? About 28 weeks. So, from about 28, 30-odd weeks in, the, the womb starts to practice giving birth. And so you have these little pulls and tugs. Do any mums here say amen to this? You've felt these sort of things. And, and they can get quite sore at times, can't they? Mind you, compared to the real thing, they, they suddenly fear. When, <laughs> if it's your first baby, you think, oh, that was painful. Anyway, we won't go into that. We won't put these two off. <laughs> Listen, I just need to say to you, don't worry about it. I never felt a thing with any of our three children. I, I want you to feel completely reassured this morning. It's going to be all right. Now, the womb starts to practice, and you start to feel these twinges and tugs. And I can remember being out with Sally in the car or walking down the street, and this, ooh, ooh, that was a real big one there. And you start to feel these twinges and these pains. Oh, and when you do, a little expression comes out, sort of a, and then a bit of a, ooh, ooh, that was a big one. And you start to actually say something, but you don't know what to say, so it's just this kind of sound comes out. It's like, oh, you can practice that in a moment, and you can get, get okay. <laughs> now, here's what Paul is saying in Romans 8. We are pregnant with this hope inside of us. And it's the Holy Spirit, just like he put Christ into Mary, he also gives birth to this sense of hope for the future for ourselves and our world. And as we carry this hope around, it gets bigger and bigger. As you grow in Christ, your faith, your hope, your confidence in who he is and what he can do for this world, the fact he's at work today and coming back in the future, that should cause you to enlarge like this. Something in your spirit should grow bigger. And the more it grows you get to that point where you start to feel some birth pangs in the spirit. Oh, God, this world. Oh, Lord, if only my neighbour would get saved. God, save them. God, they're in such need. Do you ever look at the news and feel like that? Now, here's the secret to being pregnant and having some birth pangs in the Holy Spirit. Don't be British. Because you know what the British are like? They tend to cover up pain, which can be a good thing in some circumstances, but other time it can just be this British stiff upper lip. Do you know, my cousin, uh, who was really instrumental in leading me to Christ with her husband, she was trying to witness to the guy next door. And she was digging the garden at the time, doing the flower bed, and he leaned over the, the, to the, the, the fence to talk to her. She really wanted to share Christ with him, so she was really keen to build up a rapport and a relationship. So at the very moment he sat over the fence, he so startled her, she, she put the fork down, it went through her foot. But because she was British, she didn't want to give away, so she stood there saying, hello, nice day, isn't it? Nice to meet you for the first time. And all the time the fork is in her foot. Can you believe that? That, that's the old British style, I want you to know. That's, that's the wartime generation, the stiff upper lip. See? Now, you might think that's a bit foolish. And for the, the, the purposes of this morning's illustration, it is. 
Because you see, when you feel those twinges and those birth pangs that these two ladies here are going to be feeling, the idea is, is not to go, I'm British, there's nothing going on here. The idea is to go, oh God, help my neighbour. Oh God, do something for the unsaved in the world. God, look at the mess we're in. Thank you, you can go sit down now, you've been great. I won't put you off anymore. It talks about groanings too deep for words. Groans and sighs. There is something that goes on with the Holy Spirit that when he stirs us on the inside, it's those birth pains that make us go, oh, oh. Now, how many prayer meetings have you been to like that? I think most of our prayer meetings are fairly ordered. Dear Lord, we do thank thee this day for our beloved brothers and sisters in those parts of the world that are experiencing persecution. And we do pray for them, dear Lord, that thou wouldst earnestly heal them and help them in the name of Jesus. That's that's all right. But that's about two weeks pregnant, that is. But when you're carrying this big bump in front of you, that's twinging away and saying, come on, I've got to get out of here. God is going to do something in the world. It can't go on like this. The power of God, the kingdom of God, the seed of God is going to be born into the world. We're going to have to do a lot more pushing and screaming than that to get this baby out. I think the point I'm making here is this. Our prayer meeting should sound like a maternity ward. (laughs) What does that sound like? Now, come on, how many of you have been to the maternity ward and contributed to the atmosphere there? Let's see all the mums here who have given birth. Yes, you know what we're talking about here, and if you're the dads, you've been with them. Now, you, uh, a few weeks ago um, here, one of Lily's friends was here, uh, Johanna from uh, Germany, and she's trained to be a midwife. And um, she has a brother who's just finished off his medical training as a doctor, and he's sort of been, he decided to go and stay with her for a bit. And I asked him, you know, why he done this? It was an interesting experience because she lives in the nurse's home right in the maternity hospital, right next to it. And he said, I know I'm a doctor and that, but you go there and the window's open because it's a warm evening and you can hear the maternity hospital just going there. And you're trying to get some sleep or get some study done. It's a noisy affair. And listen, it goes on all through the night as well. And through the day. I mean, this thing doesn't stop. Whatever time of the day, if you're on night shift as a midwife and you go back to your room, you can't sleep with the windows open because whether you're there in the day shift or the night shift and sleeping at night or day, there is constant giving birth and all those groans and sighs that accompany it. And this is the way the Spirit helps us. This is how He helps us in our prayings. He stops us being British those of us that are. He stops us being like the British culture. He stops us being like the traditional religious, and I'll call it that, church culture when it comes to prayer meetings. Because actually, a meeting with intercession should be just like that maternity ward. There should be groanings and sighings and calling out to God of a desperate nature, morning, noon, and night, round the clock. That's what will give birth to hope for this world when we pray like that.
me just say to you two practical things here. And then a little thought. I think there are two ways we can pray in the spirit like this. One is by speaking in tongues. And the second is literally with groanings and signs too deep for words. Or at least with that kind of passion in the words of our own language. Maybe that's three things. Curiously enough, I grew up on a number of prophecies in my generation about this country. And one of them was Britain would be saved by its praying women. Maybe because of what women go through naturally, they understand how to pray and intercede. Maybe there's some kind of empathy and link there between the two. I don't know, but it could just be. Maybe we men don't feel enough sometimes to really pray with that kind of desperation and empathy. All I know is this, that all of us, helped by the Holy Spirit, can be pregnant with hope for the world and the kingdom of God, and we can groan and sigh and be desperate in prayer and give birth to something through the Spirit of God and with his help. And that's the kind of praying that Paul is talking about here in Romans 8. And the final phrase is this, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, here's a good Christian dilemma. Lord, if it be thy will, da, da, da. Ever come across that in church circles? He hath prayer like that, Lord, if it be thy will. Well, if it isn't God's will, we shouldn't be praying it. But the truth is we don't know sometimes, do we? And yet the scripture says here, according to the will of God. When we get into this birth, birthing mode, we also get into the will of God. And you know, Jesus teaches at the center of the Lord's Prayer. Kingdom of God, come. Will of God, be done. At least that's the way it should be translated. Jesus makes the center of our earth-changing prayer all to do with the kingdom coming and the will of God being done. So we need to be clear what the will of God is and then pray it into being. There was a, a guy in prison once for his faith back in the days of the Soviet Union when they were doing that sort of thing to people. And his name was Ivan. And he was enduring the horrors of a Soviet prison camp because he was a believer. I think he was in the army and he got caught praying and that led to a whole lot of difficulties for him. And one day he's praying with his eyes closed and one of the other prisoners notices him praying and he kind of makes fun of him and he says, hey, prayers won't get you out of here any faster. And he opens his eyes and says, I don't pray to get out of prison, but I pray to do the will of God. And so many of our prayers are about changing our circumstances to make life easier for us, but that's not the focus of our prayers. Our prayers are that God's will would be done, that his kingdom would come. And we need to understand what his will is in any given situation for us. And it may not benefit us the most, to have his will done. Sometimes we have to pray, Lord, let your will be done when it's actually not comfortable, convenient or nice for me. That's real praying. And you know the example of that is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So 
finding out what God's will is? Well, first and foremost, we get that through his word. When we know his word, we get to know his will. And secondly, we get his will inspirationally through the spirit, but never in contradiction to his word. And we're told this, that the spirit who's deep in the heart of God will come to our spirits deep inside of us and connect us directly so that we can understand by the Spirit what the will and heart of God is to pray. And we can know. And that will line up with the scripture where he's already declared that. And the sense you get is that the very same Spirit that's in the heart of the Father will come to our heart. And the very thing that stirs the Father in heaven will stir our heart here on earth. That sounds like the Lord's Prayer again, doesn't it? That the connection will be made in such a way that we will be stirred and we will groan with God the Father and with God the Son and with God the Holy Spirit. That what God wants to bring, give birth to, what God wants to bring forth in the world, the hope and the change and the kingdom and the life And the goodness that he wants to bring into this world, that will so capture us that we'll just sigh and groan with that. And the good news is this. Even if we don't really know anything much about that, he wants to connect with us and cause that to happen. He will stir us and motivate us and empower us to pray like this as long as we don't stick the fork in our foot and then keep our mouth closed because we're British and don't want to say anything. He will help and lead and guide us through the Holy Spirit, through the gifts of the Spirit in various other ways into praying through the Spirit like this. Now, you can do that in many ways. Sometimes you'll feel a verse of Scripture to pray. You'll just have it on your mind, that. Sometimes you'll see a picture in your mind of a person or a situation to pray for. Um, people do this a lot when they're actually going out witnessing. They'll, they'll get a picture from God of someone they should talk to that day and then they'll actually meet that pe- person later in the day and share Christ with them. Um, God may give you a phrase to pray on your mind like he did Derek Prince. You know his testimony of how he was a soldier in the desert and the, the, the British army were losing all the time, being beaten back and uh, up to that time in the Second World War there'd been no victories at all and he just had a prayer that God gave him. Lord, Give us leaders who will glorify your name and give us the victory. That was his prayer. It was a a Holy Spirit sentence. And he started to pray that. And within a very short space of time, everything turned around and it led to the first ever victory that the Allied soldiers had. Now, I'm not trying to get into the morality of war about that. It was a very difficult situation. But nevertheless, he felt he had a phrase in prayer. And soon after praying it, things started to change. You can get a phrase, a Holy Spirit-inspired phrase that's right for the situation that, that you're dealing with. Or you can feel a tongue rising up in you. Now, let me just say about tongues. It's, the Bible talks about tongues. You don't have to stick to one. You can have a tongue that's completely different to one you're worshipping with in order to pray and intercede for people. And the Bible says when you pray like that, um, do pray with your mind as well to be fruitful. Get your brain engaged with it. Don't just do the shopping list while you're doing this praying. You know, be, be focused on it. But there are many tongues you can have. And the Bible says when you speak in a tongue, you speak to God. You're, you're, you're connecting directly back to him. You're knocking on heaven's door with your Holy Spirit-led prayer in tongues. And you can have that sense of something rising up inside of you, a push uh, in, in a tongue, or just 
Sometimes it isn't even a word. It's, it's, it's a sigh or a groan. Do you remember when Jesus prays for one man? He says, Jesus, he was deaf, and he says, he looked up to heaven and he sighed and said, be opened. Do you see that Holy Spirit prayer coming from Jesus then? Before he actually said the, ink, or the Aramaic words, be opened, he said, oh. He sighed. It was something in his spirit interceding for that man at that moment in time. And all of this, any combination of those things, uh, can be the depth of the Spirit inspiring us uh, to cry out for what God wants to see given birth to in the world. Do you notice, by the way, in the Old Testament, how often there's a cry and a shout goes up in the camp of Israel? When they bring the Ark of the Covenant in, it's kind of... There's this incredible cry goes up, so much so that the earth shakes and the Philistines say, what's this? Something happens when the presence of God comes into his people. There's a sound in the camp. There's a cry in the camp. There is an uproar almost in the camp. And I want to suggest to you our prayer meeting should be like that. Now, later in the year, we'll probably want to start a new season of the, the latest training program. You know, I've been working on this for a few years, Capacitation Destino, or Destiny Training. And Pastor Caesar has rewritten the materials and rewritten the books. And this is why. He was telling me, he, he, said, I, I, he said, I was touring around a number of churches. And it was the prayer meetings that really got his attention. He said, I went to so many prayer meetings where the pastors had to stir it up, say, come on, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. And he said to himself, that's not a good prayer meeting. He said, if the people haven't got it in their hearts to pray when they come, then the people haven't got it in their hearts to pray when they come and there's something missing. And so he felt God speak to them, uh, to speak to him, after visiting a number of churches like this, there's something missing. And he felt the Lord speak to him from Psalm 23, the Lord's my shepherd. And he's written the whole first module, rewritten the whole book based on that psalm about our connection with God. Am I connecting with God in my own life? Am I connecting with God in the quiet place? Am I connecting with God in my devotional life? Am I connecting with God throughout the day? Is God really my shepherd? Am I really finding those places with him of rest and restoration and his life coming in me? Uh, because if we don't have this kind of experience with God ourselves, when we come to the meetings to pray together, well, it's all a bit flat. Nobody knows what to pray. And he said it was seeing meetings like that that need to be stirred up uh, that really caused him to rewrite all of this. And I think the experience we're looking for is what we should have, is when we come together, there's an urgency and a desperation and a desire to pray because we've been praying elsewhere and we still feel there's more to do. And when we get together, we want to pray some more because we've only, we had a prayer meeting this morning on our own and that was just a few twinges around the sides here. We haven't given birth to this thing yet. It needs a whole lot more screaming and pushing for it to come out. Amen? And that's the challenge for us. Can we be pregnant and can we be screaming? I'm serious. I'm serious. Are our prayer meetings going to be the same as they've always been or are they going to be different? Many years ago, there was a man that started all this. And when I say all this, I mean the whole modern movement for cells, discipleship. He was an Argentinian. And it all started with him in prayer. And we we met him. His name is Juan Carlos Ortiz, a remarkable man, a tremendous man of God. 
And he described, he, he got a lot of trouble for his book because he suggested praying like this. He said, he went away for a weekend's prayer and he was tired of praying the same old way. And he'd gone away with these guys to really seek God. And he said, am I just going to go here and pray the same old way I've ever done? Because the same old way I've ever done is just lit. I'm just frustrated now. This, this thing's not been given birth to. I want to get this thing out into the world. And he said, the first thing he challenged him was having his eyes closed. Where does it tell me to have my eyes closed in the Bible? I mean, it might do, but it's not that often, is it? And he said, well, what happens if I pray with my eyes open? So that he said, and then he said, where do I pray? And he said, well, so he decided to pray outside in the park with some of his friends. And they're all, they're all standing there like this. With, they're in the park with their eyes closed like this. Dear Lord, please help us today. And it's, it's just like they prayed before. It's all very tame, all very quiet, all very mumbled. I mean, all very Argentinian is it, and all very British. Whatever, you know. And um, by the way, we do pray for peace between our nation and Argentina, seriously. You know, we know this is an ongoing issue, but we, we really want to see good hearts between us because the gospel over there is, is a, some tremendous ministries there and they bless the world and us through them and we want to be a blessing back in that way. Anyway, the next thing he says is, he sees a tree. He starts to open his eyes and he looks around. He says, God, look at that tree. It's amazing. You made it. And he starts to see what God's made in the world. And instead of standing, he runs up to the tree and the other guys are looking at me. What's up with him? You know, we're having a prayer meeting. So I'm having a prayer meeting too. And then he climbs in the tree and says, God, look at the world you made. Look at those flowers. Look at the blue sky. Look at that couple hand in hand over there. You put love in the world. You put relationship in the world. You put good things in the world. And all of a sudden, it suddenly starts to get stirred up. And this prayer meeting starts to get noisy and the birth pangs are starting to come. And his friends are all he's nuts. He says, come on, guys, open your eyes. And soon they're all in trees and they're all hanging out. Look at this and look at this. God's done this. This is an amazing world. And if this isn't your character and your culture and your life language, you're giving, I'm really sorry. But somewhere the birth pangs have got to get out. I challenge you to give birth with no sound. Amen? I challenge you to pray with no sound. You can't do it. And if we're going to pray the same old way, we're going to get the same old results. But if we're willing to let loose and really let the Spirit stir us, something different will come into our prayer life, something creative, something from the Spirit of God. And if it takes some groans and sighing to do that, well, then may it be like that. Please don't definitely, please don't deliberately inconvenience your house, though, and get under somebody's bedroom and make all the sounds and groans at five o'clock in the morning just to prove a point. You don't need to inconvenience anybody like that. You can go a tree in the garden now, I've told you that. Um, we call this kind of prayer intercession. When you're really crying out for others, intercession, you're crying out, not, it's not about you and your needs anymore. It can be, I suppose, in some instance, but really you're crying out on behalf of this world and what God wants to do in it. And one of the great prayer warriors, one of the great prayer ministries in the last 30 years, I suppose, a guy called Mike Bickle, and I had the privilege of going and listening to him speak a few times and godly man, lovely man of God, tremendous man of God. And he says, intercession, intercession is really simple. He says, he tells me what to pray and I just speak it back to him. That's what intercession is. God tells you what he wants you to pray. This is what I want you to say. Now repeat after me and you just say it back to God. That is the essence of intercession. So you're listening and then you're giving it back to him with all that passion and with all those birth pangs. And then you really are praying in his will.
Just one thing, if we do have prayer meetings like this, you ever do pray like that, if you're in public, you don't need to draw attention to yourself. You can have all the birth pangs and all the expressions you want, but we're not looking to give people a platform to detract from the Holy Spirit. You can do that in, in, in all the right ways, but draw attention to the Lord nonetheless. But I do believe that in our praying, there, there should be, if we're in the Holy Spirit, a passion, an expression, a depth, a sound of something being given birth to. So today I'm not going to pray for you at the end of the meeting. You're going to do the praying. Because that's what we want to encourage. Amen? So, I'm going to ask you if you don't mind to stand. I'm going to finish with a quote. And then we're going to, I'm going to ask you to pray. Here's a little quote for you. When we rely on organisation we get what organisation can do. When we rely on education, we get what education can do. When we rely on eloquence, we get what eloquence can do, and so on. And these are all valuable in their right place. But when we rely on prayer, we get what God can do. Amen? How many of you right now know something that you need God to do something in? Who needs something of God in a situation in their own life or in the lives of somebody else? Okay, that's pretty much all of us. Well, if you don't have any immediate needs, there's a city called Newcastle. There's a world out there that's desperately in need of the Saviour and His love. So in a moment, I'm going to invite you to pray. Just for 60 seconds. God speak to you. So let's just wait on the Lord a moment and ask God how we should pray. Father, we're coming to you now and we are bringing you in our own hearts and minds now situations that we know of where we need what God can do. God, grow this church. God, touch this city, this nation. God, turn things around in our land. God, help us impact the city. Oh, God, have mercy on us. God, do not deal with us as our sins deserve, but deal with us according to your steadfast love and faithfulness. Oh, God, Raise us up in this city. God, in this church, wash us clean. Forgive our sins. God, by the blood of Jesus, cleanse us deeply today. Lord, your word says, I will forgive their backslidings. I will heal them. I will, I will heal their backslidings. I will love them freely. Lord, would you heal our backslidings and love us freely? God, we want to be a people who are going somewhere for you. We want to be a people on fire for you. We want to be a people who actually live this life and don't let this life just pass us by. We want to be a people who truly give ourselves to you and this, the fullness of this walk with Christ. And Lord, we want to live sold out for you. Lord, deal with our issues. God, anything that holds us back, we bring before you right now. Say, God, have mercy on us. God, give us grace. Give us help where we don't know how to offer ourselves to you, where we're, 
We're just stuck in a row. We're holding back. God, help us today. God, if you don't help us, we're stuck. But we know you love to help the sons of Adam. You love to help man and get them out of the messes and the holes and the ruts they're in. God, would you get us out of our ruts and where we're stuck, Lord, dislodge our thinking, dislodge our lives, Lord, so that we can be running freely again and not bogged down as we have been. God, help us today. Walk with you and run with you and be on fire for you and be at peace with you and passionate for you. God, we're looking around this church this morning. There's too many empty seats. God, help us fill those empty seats with the love of God and the compassion of God and the mercy of God. God, we want the seats filled. We want that, that balcony filled at the back there. We want more seats. We want to have to buy more. And then we want more services on a Sunday because we can't get everybody in. God, God, help us fill this place like an ark of salvation, like a place of rescue from this world and all it stands for and all its ways against you. God, God, today we're asking you, have mercy on us to change us. Have mercy on the people we know that we know need you, our neighbours. Thank you for Mary and that testimony with our neighbours. Lord, may we have that repeated a thousand times and more that our neighbours have come to Christ, that the people we work with have come to Christ through the witness and example we set them. God, we want to win souls and grow souls here. Lord, we want to raise every man and woman up to their full potential in Christ. We want everyone to become a leader in some way and some power. We want everyone to go on with God and, and to, to, to influence the lives of others and teach them and look after them. Oh God, help us. Help us. Father, we pray today for the spirit of intercession to come on us. But we pray especially for this month that a spirit of sighing and groaning of, of, of intercession too deep for words to come on our lives, Lord. Lord, come on us by your Spirit. God, we pray as we, as, we, as we look towards next week and the night of prayer and the, and the uh, guest service at the end of the month, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we will be captivated by the need to intercede. Oh, God, lay on us a spirit of intercession. Lord I, Lord, I see some of us now in the night groaning in our beds. That we won't be able to sleep. We'll be rolling in the beds, tossing and turning. Because the Spirit of God will be interceding through us in groanings and signs too deep for words. God, we want to give birth to hope and to new life and to victory and overcoming. Lord, we pray this year for a new beginning for us in prayer as well. For a new urgency in prayer. For a new abandonment in prayer. Father, we pray we'll become the best prayers we know. We pray every one of us will become the best prayers we know. Father, we pray that corporately together we'll have the most maternity ward kind of experiences, delivery sweet prayer meetings we've ever experienced. Because God, we understand you want to give birth to something precious in our lives and in the lives of others and in this city, this nation, this world. God, we thank you for all the nations represented here today. And Lord, we cry out to you now for every one of them. If you would touch the nations represented here today. Lord, we love our people. We love our countries. I think of Nigeria, Lord, with the, the terrible terrorism and the violence. 
God have mercy in that nation. We think that even the elections have had to be put off this month because of the insecurity. God, we pray for repentance at the highest level in that land, for repentance and turning from corruption. And we pray for deliverance in that land. Lord, we think of Sierra Leone, Lord, and the, the ravages of Ebola and the difficulties that nation's face and the tensions that are there. God, give us a heart to cry out for our nations here, for each other's nations. Lord, God, we think of Colombia. Father, bring that terrible war to an end. Bring true peace, just peace, not a giveaway peace, but a proper and lasting peace to Colombia. Defeat the criminals and the drug barons. Defeat the forces of violence and disruption in that nation, we pray. God, our own nation, we're facing election in three or four months' time. God, we pray for miracles, a turnaround experience. Our nation is going nowhere, doesn't know where to go. None of us even know to vote for anymore. God, we need something bigger and better than politicians' empty promises. We need the Spirit of God in this land. God, we pray, we cry out to come on our nation. Hear our land. Visit this nation again, Lord. Rise up, men and women of God, like Wesley and the, the great ones that have gone before, the heroes of the faith. Lord, re, re, Lord, would you cause to rise up, men and women of God, who will sweep the nation with revival in this time. Send your spirit. Send help from above and deliver us. Deliver us from empty words of politics another time, Lord, and bring a true change in our nation. Lord, heal the church and the divisions in our land. God, bring peace between churches and the fire of your Spirit into the Holy, into the church, Lord. Send your revival, we pray, into our church, in the whole church, in this nation, in the name of Jesus. God, we pray, have mercy on our land at this time. Oh, God, let your kingdom come and your will be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.
free to go or stay as you wish. We're probably going to carry on for a little bit longer, but you need to go. God bless you. Have a great week. Don't get those cards. What else is happening to have invited people to meet you? If you need to go, you're released. But if you want to stay just a few minutes longer and sense the Spirit stirring us, then we're going to minister to God for a little bit more. Cry out to God. Break our walls down. If you've got children, we probably need to go and get them as well. So please do go and rescue the children's workers.